Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode four of our study on Richard Foster's The Celebration of Discipline. Tommy Bridges uh, is joining me today, and uh, we're really excited about uh, this book and uh, Richard Foster's um, emphasis on those overlooked spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. And uh, we're really excited about doing this podcast and so fortunate and privileged to have you all joining us today. Tommy, how are you doing today? Wonderful, John. I'm glad to hear. I want to start today to, uh, by talking about the topic. The topic is fasting. And one of the things that Richard Foster says in his book is that fasting is, for the most part, one of those disciplines that have been overlooked or has been overshadowed with asceticism. He mentions in his book from 1860 to 1960, in that time range, there's 100 years where there's not much that has been written about fasting. And so with this rediscovery of what fasting might mean, especially the implications of fasting, um, we revisit that with Foster today. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that when you fast, the implication was, or the understanding is, is that people will fast. It is uh, part of our Christian uh, development. Uh, Carlos Whitaker, in a book that he recently wrote called Enter Wild, talks about this need in our society today where we need to rest, where we need to slow down. In fact, he has this example that the average person walks three and a half miles an hour. This is the speed at which we were designed to move. And what if the way that we can finally find this transformation, this deep uh, relationship of spiritual growth that so many of us didn't even know existed was to not speed up and try to outrun or chase God, but was is to slow down. What if the way we catch up to God is by actually slowing down? We find that so many things in our life have a high volume. And as life, uh, the volume of life goes up, the volume of God's voice goes down. Think of the, uh, the email messages, the text messages, the 24-hour news cycles, hundreds, even thousands of stories at any given moment uh, bombard us. Some are devastating, some are exciting, intriguing, happy, heartbreaking. But I don't believe that our souls were designed to carry this load. Can we truly hear God? when we are listening to so many other voices. So enter and cue fasting. Fasting being one of those means that we slow down, that we're still, that we embrace what God might be saying and doing in our midst. So true, John. One of the things that uh, I focused on in, in this uh, chapter, and obviously it is a it is something that we normally don't talk about. You know, we talk about prayer and we talk about tithing and we talk about worship uh, all the time. But fasting is something that's just kind of out in 
and over here, and we don't know what it is. Uh, we're not accustomed to it, as opposed to the ancient, even the ancient religions. Everybody in ancient civilization practiced some form of fasting. Nobody had to tell them how to do it. It was something they did just like we go to lunch every day. It's, it was part of their culture. And one of the things that, uh, just like you said in Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he told us to fast. So he, he is now our number one uh, role model, so why shouldn't we practice that? And uh, it, it, it does bring us closer to God because we're, we're kind of, like you said, we're eliminating some of those external stimuli that keep us focused on things that are external and that are worldly. Um, I have done. You know, Tommy, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is this is so interesting. In in youth ministry, I have found that even when adults would come and be a part of something that seemed to be outside their comfort zone, one of the amazing things about uh, the experience was that when they were separated from the distractions of their lives, some of the most in, inspirational, some of the most uh, amazing moments of spiritual growth happened in their lives. I've seen this in my children's life lives when they go away to a retreat, whether it's here at our church or with uh, another organization like Teen Advisors or Young Life, they come back and say, you won't believe what I heard God saying. And we're just so overwhelmed with the noise that it, that it distracts us and we miss out. Exactly. And you remember last time in our uh, session on prayer, we talked about uh, hurry, noise, and crowds are Satan's. uh, That's what he he presents to us. And as Carl Jung said, uh, hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And, you know, really ponder on that because it's it's so true. One of the things that I... um, I did in this. I I kind of did some research on the on fasting as it applies to our general health, and I read an interesting commentary on a, a research a cellular biologist at the University of Southern California, and this is what he said. It's interesting. He said because we eat all the time, the inner repair has been eliminated. We have eliminated the body's ability. To heal itself. That's amazing. Yeah, and if you read scripture, you will you will see that uh, the physician within is God. Our bodies are programmed to heal itself, but we need to allow it the time to heal itself. And in, there's all kind of research that's that's done on fasting recently. Like you said, for probably the last hundred years, nobody's really paid attention to fasting because we grew up eating three square meals a day. And how many how many fast food joints are they on Winton Road? Yeah, and don't forget, yes, uh, there are a lot of small little snacks in between those three major yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> and, of course, this food is, is a way of life for us. It has been. But if you go back to the... Um, where you had the rural society, 
you know, back in the early 1900s up into probably 1960 or 70, uh, you had, you know, you'd get up and you'd have this hearty breakfast, this great lunch, and this great supper or dinner, and then you'd go to bed and do it all over again. But you would you engaged in manual labor or physical exercise. So it's not as debilitating as it is now when we come into the urban societies where we eat, we go sit in an office for eight <laughs> hours or ten hours a day, and we're so consumed with that, and our whole clock is rem- uh, centered around what are we go- where are we going for lunch today. <laughs> How true. Let me frame this, um, this, the beginning of this discussion. Uh, we are uh, focusing a little bit right now at the beginning that fasting deals with food. And that's the scriptural references that fasting, when it was talked about, when it was uh, spoken about and, uh, and in the scripture, it was referring to food. We'll talk a little bit more of fasting other things later on, but just to kind of give you framework around how we're approaching this um, this uh, this episode. Uh, John, one of the things that I uh, found in reading this research is uh, there's no question about uh, there's science tells us that even a 24-hour fast, or if you will, just one day without food has tremendous if it's done consistently has tremendous health effects uh delaying age-related diseases like cancer or you know cognitive impairments like alzheimer's or or think dementia and things like that uh, uh, incorporated with exercise so and obviously if you just think about simplistic the simple fact that give your stomach a rest maybe for a day you know don't let your stomach control you you control the stomach certainly uh there's some physical benefits to fasting but what's the other benefits of fasting it's it's not just a a diet it's not just a, a health move what else is uh, fasting all about? Well, John, one of my favorite uh, verses in Scripture is from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. And this, is, this addresses, uh, Paul is suggesting that our body is, is, the, is the temple for the Holy Spirit. And uh, we as Christians, we invite Christ to come into our lives when we surrender our lives to him, and he actually resides in our flesh, in our bodies. And why would you want to not take care of your body? And I'm not talking about eating like we you just suggested, but maybe focused on giving up um, looking at Facebook when you first time you get up in the morning or who or your text messages or television or or things like that that are in our is inundated in our daily lives you know what what would be harm without watching television one night a week we are inundated by so many different things and it's not just uh, for our sanity, it's not just for our psyche, uh, our physical body, but when there's this release 
this surrender of what is unbeknownst to us controlling us, there is this spiritual movement, this transformation that helps us focus a little bit more clearly on God's presence and God's kingdom in our midst. Absolutely. And, you know, we can, we can go back to the beginning of, of Richard Foster's book and his, his, one of his points uh, that he points out consistently in that, we have to give up ourselves and give God a chance to transform us. And this is just one of the many things that we can do in these disciplines to allow God to draw closer to us and us closer to God. And I go back to 1 Corinthians 6, that chapter. It, it, just read that chapter and think about that chapter and how, what you do every day. Do you, how do you regard your body is, and I'm not just talking about your physical body, but your your emotions, your mind. What are you allowing to um, your thoughts about different things? Because I really don't think that God is very effective if we pollute our bodies and our minds with things, things, and things, and things uh, that are not uh, of the world. You know that uh, we need to focus on eternity, maybe, and instead of uh, what's happening right now. You know, uh, I remember a conversation I had with a, a group of folks that uh, th- that individually uh, they uh, shared in this collective group their struggles with what is inundating their minds right now, and it was you. You could almost feel the the pressure and the weight on your own heart as you heard them them say and then 10 15 minutes into this uh, one uh, fine woman uh said you know but in the midst of this all what i do is i stop and i look around and i and i recognize the the glimpses of grace all around us and that might be in nature, that might be uh, thinking about a scripture passage, but it's not—it's not achieved by turning on the television, by scrolling through Facebook, or um, getting more information. It's letting go. It's stopping. It's resting, and knowing that God is in your midst. Exactly. When you, when you really think about, when we talk about meditation on Scripture, uh, and when we really think about our daily activities, we have to remember that we are ambassadors of Christ. Absolutely. And wherever we go or whatever we do, is a, do we really want to present ourselves as children of God? So we got to, you know, that's something that we really need to think about because he's with us wherever we go and whatever we do. And uh, are we glorifying his name through our actions and our words and our thoughts? As you said before, fasting is typically about food. Yes. 
but it's not. It's more than that. Yeah, and uh, biblical fasting is always centered around spiritual purposes. Uh, Make no mistake that Jesus in in, uh, Matthew 6 uh, really centers into this idea to make it clear that fasting is this private matter between a person and, and, and God. Jesus groups prayer and he groups giving and he groups fasting together uh, as, a, as an assumption that all of these are a part of our Christian walk about what we are to do, how we're supposed to live out our life. And, and there was never this intention that fasting should be separated. But we have pushed back on that many times, and and there's this, uh, and there's something lacking in in our own spiritual hearts and our own spiritual lives when it comes to seeing, recognizing the revelation of God all around us, and it's important that that we that we examine this, that we we look into um, this practice that has been forgotten over the years. Absolutely, and as we as we see so many times in the New Testament with Jesus's um, uh, confrontation with the Pharisees, it's always this outward look at me. I am this perfect individual, and we have to examine our motives for prayer and our motives for fasting, and they should be motivated for the right thing for becoming, allowing ourselves to become closer to God and to allowing him to the, do, as we spoke last, last time, of uh, the inside job mm. of uh, changing our lives. Here's, uh, here's what Richard actually says in his book that become uh, what you're, I'll use as a, a springboard of what you just said, the purpose of fasting Um, is fourfold. Uh, First, the purpose of fasting is not to get God to do what you want. Fasting must be God-initiated, God-ordained, and um, if our fasting is for any other purpose other than um, our spiritual growth and development and intimacy with God, then uh, it's, it's failed before we have even started. Uh, second, he says, fasting reveals those things that control us. And Tommy, that is so important. That It is so important for us to at least begin to understand um, that there are things that control us all, all the time. And we allow that to happen. My daughter is uh, someone who has a very... Uh, um, she speaks her mind very, very well, <laughs> and uh, like her dad, uh, likes to uh, argue, likes to make her point known. And um, and I remember having a conversation with her about three or four years ago, and I said, "Sweetheart, I love your ambition. I love the way God has wired you in this way, but don't let it control you. Don't let it control you." And so many times we surrender that abundant life that God wants to open up for us by uh, uh, we surrender it by allowing ourselves to be controlled by so many other things. So fasting reveals those things that control us. And fasting reminds us that we are sustained from every word that comes out of 
the mouth of God, like what Jesus said in uh, when he was tested in the in the wilderness. And then finally, Foster says, and there's probably several others, but fasting helps us keep a balance in our life and how easily we begin to allow non-essential things to take precedence in our lives. We, we are driven so many times by the crises, the crisis of the moment. And then if we're honest with ourselves, when we look back, there's probably not many hours of a day that there's not a crisis that is driving us, that is controlling us. And so fasting allows us to, to reclaim that balance on our lives. Absolutely. And you're so spot on about the crisis because it seems like so many times we live in this circle of chaos. It's, oh my uh, goodness, yes. You know, it's, <laughs> and, and we need to step off of that train <laughs> and, and let the world go by. It's going to be there when we get back on the train. And, and some of these crises or chaoses, we are self-imposed. We create Absolutely. them ourselves. Uh, one of the things that uh, I learned uh, recently is the word try. If you use the word try, I will try not to do this, or I'll try to do that, or I'll try to meet you, that gives you so many outs, so many so many disclaimers, well, you know, I couldn't make it because of this and that and this and that. The word train is more attuned to what we need to do just like our spiritual journey we some of us start in a very immature station in life and we go through this line of sanctification if you would you know working our way we stumble and we get back on our path right that's training as paul relates this to to athletes, you know, they train their bodies, and we should train our spiritual life as well. Don't try to do something because try never does anything. You have to train yourself to do these things, and fasting is just one of those things that we need to incorporate into our daily lives to to allow God to become closer to us. When we talked about prayer last week, it was so relieving to me on the inside that prayer is something that we learn. We don't have to master prayer right at the beginning. Even the disciples we mentioned last week who had a lifetime of Sabbath and temple and and uh, the, the acts and the prayers of every good Jewish person in Israel at that time, they had to, they, they came to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, which is, you might say, well, haven't you been praying all your life? But this idea that there's more to it, there's there, that we can always learn. Fasting is one of those things that we don't just jump into. Fasting, especially when it comes to food, we, we don't jump into, but we, we prayerfully consider what God is doing in our lives and what he is asking us to do. We ask ourselves the question, is God's voice overshadowed by the voice of life? What's going around us? 
And those are certainly very important questions to ask. I I love this idea of try and train. William Carey, who's thought of as being the father of missions and mission work, um, I think it was the 19th century. But one of his sermons was entitled this, Expect Great Things from God, Attempt Great Things for God. So many people get that backwards. I'm going to attempt great things for God. I'm going to jump into praying three hours a day right now. I'm going to attempt to read the Bible in 30 days. I'm going to attempt to fast for 40 days tomorrow. And then at the end, our expectations are shattered because we hadn't focused at the front what God might be directing us to do. Expect great things from God. And then attempt great things for God. So many things can be subsided in our hearts and our spiritual growth if we just begin there. Sure. And it's just like, uh, you know, what happens every January 1? Everybody <laughs> New makes Year's resolution. New Year's resolutions. Oh, man, man, I'm going to join the gym and with two months. I'm going to lose 10 pounds and I'm going to be this, I mean, so fit. Guess what? About the end of January, the beginning of February, well, you know, I'd rather sleep in this morning, and then poof, it's gone. Mm. It never happens. Absolutely. And that's where the discipline comes in. To get anywhere, we have to, we have to include disciplines in our lives. And he mentioned in, the, in his book, is so funny, he said, the stomach is like a spoiled child. <laughs> it doesn't need that. to be indulged. <laughs> It needs to be disciplined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and that, and that, not only the stomach, but our thoughts. Yeah. And and our habits, what we do every day, uh, and that's a form of fasting. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, the uh, psychological implications of using food to cover up um, anxieties and fears and frustrations and depressions. I I don't speak on that. I don't have. The knowledge, there's a lot of people who know so much more than I do, but there is uh, some talk about that, that we use this as a way, and we've become so accustomed to that. In fact, even when it comes to waste, you know, I don't want this food to waste, so I better let it go inside me and show up on my waste, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you you remember when we were growing up, you know, you had your your breakfast or your lunch, and you better eat all of it because, you know, <laughs> kids in China are starving. That, that, I heard that so many times. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so Tommy, I, I mentioned at the beginning that um, the biblical aspect of, of fasting centers around food. And for the most part, in um, celebration of discipline in this chapter, that's what he focuses on because that's what it is um, – uh, that's the biblical teaching of it. But the idea um, of fasting, just be lim- fasting of being just limited to food, really limits the full scope of what fasting can do in our lives. Um, there is a need today to maybe learn to fast from crowds from people. Um, being with people, they, it, it, 
has the tendency of devouring us. And it's not that we want to be antisocial, but it's precisely that opposite of allowing ourselves to be revived and regenerated that we, uh, uh, because we love people intently, uh, that we, that when we're with them, we want to be able to do them good and not harm. Um, there's this, uh, need not only to fast, uh, from, from crowds, but there's a need to fast from media at times. I mean, people have a difficult time going through an entire day concentrating on one single thing. Their train of thought is constantly broken up by a demand from newspaper or radio or social media or the email ding goes off and you just, you know, want to look at it right away. Um, No wonder people feel so fragmented, So why they feel so broken. Uh, There's a need for us to fast from telephone. Uh, It's a wonderful tool, but it can't control us. Uh, How many times, how many times have we stopped something so important in our present that's going on right in front of us to answer the telephone? we're, We're sitting at dinner with our family and the telephone rings and we jump to get it. We're reading to our children or whatnot, and our cell phone dings with a message, and we stop and 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 we we're tempted. We're d- that that pull to control us to to ignore what's going on right in front of us. So there's a this need of fasting. I my dad when he used to go when he was alive and and he would uh, go shopping or go look at a store. He never shopped. He he had in his mind what he wanted. He went and got it and came home. So when he would go to the hardware store or the home improvement store to get this or that, he would have the attention of the sales rep. And then all of a sudden the phone would ring and the sales rep would put up his finger and say, hold on a moment, please, and pick up the telephone. And my dad would say, wait a minute. I got into my car, I drove down here, I came into the store, I have your attention right now. The, the, whoever's on the end of that other end of that line, they just, they're they're interrupting us. Uh, So, but so many things, and it's just not these things of, of crowds and media and telephone, prayerfully consider what the things that might be driving you in prayerful reflection away and just ask God to show you what to do. And listen. Turn down the volume of the, the noise. Turn down the volume of your own prayer. And just listen. Listen to what God is telling you. Absolutely. And it goes back to the whole simple form of life where we don't try to multitask, we don't try to do 19 different things at the same time, and we wind up doing, we don't do anything very well. If we focus on what we're doing, just like your dad going into the hardware store, you know, focus on what you want, go get it, go home, or go wherever. But it's it's just merry-go-round that we're constantly on, that Satan is driving that merry-go-round. 
with all these different external stimuli that we see every day in our lives from the time we get up to the time we go to bed at night. And this was never the intention of God. No. There is an exit off this merry-go-round. It might be spinning at different speeds at different times, but there is an exit. There is a way to get off. And the answer to that, that exit is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. That's our prayer for you this week. Thank you for joining us today. May God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours.